G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 55. Today, I am talking to Mitch Greaves. So if you'd like to know more about athlete performance coaching with AFLW players, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset and I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. Are you an athlete who wants to maximize your performance and succeed at the top level? Stop wasting time on generic programs. Get started with my two-week intro package today. Head to jacobandre.com, that's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D, reae.com and the link will also be in the show notes below okay so moving on to this week's testimony of the week actually before i get onto that you might see if you're watching this on youtube that i've got a new little set here that i'm starting to create i've got the plant back on this side i've had to move on the other side of this wall in fact uh which on the other side of this wall which is where i normally record is where my daughter's big massive monstrosity of a barbie house has taken over. So I've been relegated to this side and I'm starting to build this nice little uh, setup here, which has some books you might notice there. So there's three books. There are people who have been on the podcast or are coming up on the podcast. So we've got The Why by Isabel Cornish. We've got Unstoppable by Ben Angel, episode coming soon after this one. And then The Sporting Parent by Nathan Parnham. So really excited to build that little library of books Actually, in front of me on the other side of the camera here, there is my big library. So I might have to move it eventually as we get more guests on the show who are writing books and uh, and have them filled all around, all around me. I think that would be so cool. Okay, so I'm going to do another new thing this week, and that is a testimonial of the week. And this week's testimonial comes from Jamie Lee Paris, who has just signed with the Darwin Salties in the uh, – MBL one competition, I think it is. Uh, I hope I haven't stuffed that up. But Darwin Salties plays in this uh, national competition uh, with different states. They go across the, from Northern Territory to Queensland, and they play in different um, different competition. It's a high level for Darwin, and Jamie Lee has just signed. So I've worked with Jamie Lee at the end of 2022 for several months to help her get ready uh, for preseason and put herself in the best position to be able to sign with the Salties, which she has just done. And her testimonial says, Jacob's program gave me what I needed to have a great preseason and work on my fitness. His program showed me the correct techniques and gave me confidence to improve my game. I'm really looking forward to watching Jamie Lee perform for the Darwin Salties. Really exciting for her. Then the other new thing that I'm doing this week is a comment of the week. And this week's comment comes, this is on Instagram, which you can follow me at Jacob underscore Andre. And it's on the post, which is Running 101 with Jacob Andre. And this is where I was actually a guest on someone else's podcast, Isabel Cornish's podcast, who I have coached for running um, and help her return from her broken hip after SAS Australia and run a half marathon. She then asked me to come on her podcast, The Magic Drop, and talk about running 101. And the comment comes from Lewis Robbins, who says, this is an absolute must listen well, Lewis, I personally couldn't agree anymore myself. So thank you very much. And check out Izzy's uh, podcast, The Magic Drop, and check out Running 101 with Jake Bondre. Okay, so moving on to this week's episode, this is with Mitch Greaves, and this is episode 55. Mitch is talking all about athlete performance coaching with AFLW players. Mitch is a 
strength and conditioning coach, but he doesn't like that term. He much prefers the term athlete performance coach. And I do have to agree with him uh, on this. And I've wrestled with the title that I would like to give myself over the years. I've settled back on strength and conditioning coach myself now, but I certainly really like the term athlete performance coach. And so, and I was calling myself that a lot um, a few years ago. So Mitch is a strength and conditioning coach as per his title with Hawthorne Hawks in the AFLW. He was previously doing some stuff with the Bulldogs. He work, was working at Melbourne Fit Performance. It's a gym in Melbourne and which really worked with targets athletes and is now a co-owner of that so in this episode mitch was talking about fitting everything into your lifestyle sports psychology what it was like going into business particularly during covid um melbourne fit performance check it out check it out on instagram uh athlete performance coaching what it was like what it's like working at hawthorne in the aflw a new team which is one season in now um the future of the aflw in his opinion and just the differences between personality and talent. If you are an AFLW player or an aspiring AFLW player, you are going to absolutely love this conversation with Mitch. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Mitch, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So before we get into it, I'd like to ask everyone the same question when we get started. What do we interrupt in your day today? Uh, funnily enough, not much. Um, <laughs> One of, one of my athletes that I usually am coaching at this time um, is away um, up in Harvey Bay this week. So normally would be probably halfway through a session right now where my box is footy players. Um, so yeah, today not much, which is nice. I've just had a, a nice casual cruisy morning. Uh, my girlfriend also doesn't start work until about 10, 30, 11. So uh, we went for a walk this morning, cooked brekkie, had coffee set out the back. Um, yeah, nice, nice cruisy start to the day. That sounds really nice. So yeah. are you allowed to talk more about this athlete that you would normally be working with today? Because I follow you on Instagram and we'll plug that as well, Mitch Graves, of course, on Instagram um, and put it in the show notes. But you work with some really interesting people, some really interesting athletes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm pretty lucky that um, throughout yeah, various roles that I've had, either working privately or in sport, um, yeah, I've had some some pretty cool athletes and pretty unique athletes um, trust me with yeah, their, their physical and, and mental preparation. So um, yeah, I mean the one that's up in, in Harvey Bay at the moment. Yeah. She's a, an incredible multi-sport athlete. Um, you know, boxing is just such a unique sport and, and to match that with, with Australian rules football, which is also such a unique sport is, is, is I think more incredible than people probably give it credit for. Um, I think they give her a lot of credit, but that, the fact that she does both to such a high standard, I, I don't think they give yeah, how incredible that is enough credit. Yeah, I might dive in a little bit deeper there before we go into our next part, because one of the girls who I train, um, I think was supposed to be having a boxing match with the girl that you train. And so the girl that oh, I really? train, her name is Jessica Paris. And so she's a sprinter and um, 200 meter runner. And she just sort of fell into boxing. And I'll, get, cool. I'll quickly sidestep here for a moment and explain how that happened. So she was on SAS Australia, the, the TV show where it's all about like the army type stuff. And from that, she was then asked if she was interested in doing a celebrity boxing match in 2022. And it was going to be all these math stars and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> that they tried yeah. to like pitch as this um, 
you know, this really big thing because they had all this, like, beef on the TV shows. Um, and so she was supposed to fight someone, uh, a girl from The Bachelor, actually, and then that all kind of fell through and it didn't happen. But now Jess is really interested in this boxing and, um, and getting right into it. So from what I can tell, I'm pretty sure one of the girls that you train was going to fight her. I'm not sure if that's happening or not. Um, but, yeah, so it's been interesting moving from sprinting, strength and conditioning into the boxing from my point of view. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> She'd have one supercharged nervous system, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you just said about athletes trusting you, they wouldn't trust you unless you were like fit and healthy yourself. So how do you mind your body? Yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate to work, um, here at MFP, um, with a a great group of coaches who, um, Mike has kind of instilled a a real culture of, of making sure you look after yourself, um, physically. Um, so like everyone's always, training and, and trying new things and, and doing different programs, whether they write it themselves or, or whether they purchase programs from different coaches or, or get coached by other coaches. Um, so I think that's bred a, a really strong um, culture here in terms of, yeah, training yourself and looking after yourself. Um, so like personally at the moment, I um, have the luxury of, of um, Dave, our exercise physiologist and, and athletic performance coach programming for me at the moment, because I'm coming back from a, proximal hamstring tendinopathy um which I developed playing football last year so I'm kind of at the end stage of that back training and, and playing footy um which is cool so pre-season is about to go back um and so that is also a, a big kind of component for me I, I think that's something that really works for me as a coach in understanding my athletes is, is still playing sport um particularly going into kind of the mid mid thirties over the next few years. Um, I think, yeah, if you haven't ever continued to play sport into your thirties, you probably don't have as good an idea of, of what it actually takes to not just physically get yourself up, but mentally get yourself up to, to keep playing sport. But I think it's something that I really um, value, not just from a physical point of view, but mainly from a mental point of view, um, just the competitive nature of it. I think it, it just brings a, a different release to just training in the gym or, or, or running by yourself or whatever, whatever it might be, um, and the social aspect as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're entering your mid-30s and you're a partner in Melbourne Fit Performance, which also will link up in the show notes. Uh, we'll get into that, but how did you end up where you are today? Tell me about the Mitch Graves story. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I, I kind of did a, a big big 180 Um so I, I originally just started doing um, like a, a double degree in, in exercise science and psychology, thinking I you know, was looking at maybe sports psychology or, or something along those lines. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but um, was just kind of interested in, in the material and, and, and that side of things. Um, and it wasn't kind of until one of my uncles asked me, they said, oh, so do you want to sit in a room and, and listen to people talk about their problems and all that sort of stuff all day. Um, so he, he was kind of like, he asked me, does the lifestyle fit what you actually want for yourself? And that made me think about that side of things more. And um, yeah, I, I kind of decided along with um, the university being really honest about what it takes to become a sports psychologist and how many people actually 
successfully get to that point um, prompted me to, to explore other avenues. Um, and so I was kind of looking either kind of in the clinic rehab, clinical rehab space or, or sports performance space. Um, I did an internship with the Western Bulldogs in 2013, I think, um, with the rehab coordinator there, um, which was a great experience. Um, I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I think just for where I was in terms of my kind of emotional maturity and, and my, I suppose, path in life, I, it didn't quite match up and I wasn't ready to kind of make the most of that experience. So um, I did that, decided sport wasn't for me and then went down more kind of the clinical rehab side of things. Um, and then, yeah, did a, did a bunch of internships, um, badminton Australia, a bit more performance stuff. Um, but then I looked at that kind of, they had like a little internal clinic there. So I looked at a, a bit more of the rehab side of things and, um, kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I took a year off. Um, I went and traveled Europe for about four and a half months. Um, it was supposed to only be a month and a half. Um, but then I was over there and I thought, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get over here again. Um, and thank God I did because yeah, then COVID came along and <laughs> here we are two, two, two and a half years later. So I traveled, came back. Um, and then my local sport coach asked me if I wanted to run the preseason, um, SNC stuff for, for my local footy club. Um, and kind of fell back into that, um, along with going into my masters of clinical exphys. Um, so I did that, that took 18 months, um, kind of explored. I went to Epworth Hawthorne and did some, um, like multi-trauma rehab, um, amputees, car crash, victims and all that sort of stuff and that was super interesting um and a few other things like community health and and that side and I, I just it just didn't just didn't light me up um so once I finished that um I got on really well with Mike Crichton I'm bouncing all over the place here <laughs> but I, I got along really well with Michael Crichton who's, who's now my business partner um he was actually my lecturer at Bikini all the way back in undergraduate um and somehow just ended up on, on the phone with him. I think I was asking him about career pathways and, and this particular clinic that I was going to do an interview at. Um, and he goes, oh, I'm actually opening up out in West Footscray, um, which would be interested in coming out and have a look at the space and potentially running our rehab stuff out there. Um, so I came out um, and then, yeah, kind of the rest is history. I've been here for five and a half years now and, and kind of bounce around different different sporting clubs um at various levels and um yeah that's that's kind of i suppose a snapshot yeah really interesting so you've had a pretty varied experience so you then bought in to melbourne fit performance correct yeah yeah so i worked here as an as an ex-phys uh and then kind of a year and a half two years in decided i, I was still really interested in in kind of the athletic performance side of things. So I started doing a lot of that as well. Um, and then, yeah, the opportunity came up during COVID um, to buy into the business. Um, and, and I jumped at it because, yeah, both me and Mike both kind of felt that I had a, a really uh, strong hand or, or key, key role in building it to where it is or where it was at that point. Um, and, yeah, it, it just made the most sense to me to, to continue to, 
to build this awesome place into yeah what what it can be in the next you know five ten fifteen years. And where do you see that? What where do you see it becoming in the next five to ten years? Yeah, um, so we originally started off as as kind of like a bit of a hybrid. We Mike had a really strong background in CrossFit, so he kind of blended the CrossFit and strength and conditioning world together um, to create like a a really good training system for for general population clientele. Um, so we were doing that as well as kind of rehabbing and a little bit of athlete stuff to start off with. Um, and again, talking about things that light you up, we kind of got to the that COVID period and it made us kind of reassess, okay, well, you know, if we get another shot at this, if, if we don't go under, um, <laughs> what, what do we want this place to be and where do we want to go? Because um, kind of all we had was time to think <laughs> down here in Melbourne. <laughs> um, and so we kind of, Put, it, put a vision board together and we said, okay, well, let's let's go after it. Let's, you know, let's get after the athlete side of things in sport rehab. So, yeah, the aim is to be the, the premier facility in, in Victoria for um, training athletes um, and sport rehabilitation. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what different um, roles do you have there? So exercise physiologists, strength and conditioning coaches? Yeah, um, so... We so we have me, Mitch, and Mike, um, and then um, we have Dave, who come down from Queensland. Um, he's an EP as well. So me and him are both EPs, but uh, I don't know. We we barely really resonate with with being EPs anymore. Um, so all of us are, are technically titled athletic performance coaches because we feel that term does our job and our role justice. Um, versus strength and conditioning we feel that that pigeonholes pigeonholes people um into thinking you're just a fitness guy whereas we think it's so much more um so yeah technically everyone here is an athlete performance coach so myself i head up the, the sport rehab side of things so we've got myself dave um and then tash sneddon's come on board as well so she's working at carlton afw um, so I still have good connections there from working there um, and they kind of put her name up as, as someone that would be really a really good fit with us. So she started with us um, just pre-Christmas. Um, so that's the rehab team. And then we've got Nick who is working at Melbourne Storm as well, um, part-time. And then uh, Ryan as well, who's got a really strong foot in the tennis world. Um, so... He's, he's actually at the te- Australian Open at the moment with one of his juniors who, who just knocked off the first seed, which was a massive, oh, really? massive result for him. Yeah, so he's he's walking around just full of full of beans at the moment, which is cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's seven seven of us um, at the at the moment. Yeah, awesome. And so mm. you've got a few things going on as well. So what else do you have going on outside of Melbourne Fit Performance? Yeah, um, so I'm the head of strength and conditioning at, at Hawthorne Footy Club um, with the AFLW program there. Um, Liv Knowles is the high performance manager and I had a really good relationship with her um, over the last two or three years working with some of her um, girls from the Western Bulldogs where she was before she moved across, um, doing a lot of their like on-field speed, agility, quickness stuff in the off-season. Um, and so... I kind of took a year off from Carlton after three years there, three seasons there, did a bit of work at La Trobe University in a program there um, and then decided that wasn't for me. And then I was just chatting to her about – what was I even chatting to her about? I think 
maybe some of those girls potentially coming back. Um, and then she was kind of like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. Um, I was like, oh, cool. Where are you going? She goes, oh, Hawthorne Footy Club. They're starting up a program there. Anyway, I got to talking, caught up a coffee and yeah, now I'm there. So um, absolutely loved my first season there. Um, it, they've, they've started off hot, which, you know, all the new clubs would be trying to. Um, so, but the, the people that they've got involved there from the top down, um, yeah, it's, they're, they're, put, they're setting a really strong foundation for, for building a really strong program moving forward, which is exciting. You say they're starting off hot. What specifically do you mean by that? <clears throat> um, so like AFWs is notorious for kind of um, underpaid, overworked, um, under-resourced, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the quality of, of what the girls are getting or surrounded with is, is typically not, not high. And, and that's, that's very varied across the clubs. So there, there's some clubs that do a really good job, now have full-time HPM, full-time S&C, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, but there's some clubs that are still lagging behind it and just don't invest in their in their women's footy. Um, so walking into this, um, just right from the get go with the general manager and and Liv, it was well, we're committed to this, we're investing in it, um, and it's it's they've followed through with that. So um, it's it's just. Little things like communication, really consistent communication, open communication. Um, you know what's happening ahead of time, which in sport is very hard, um, which everyone understands. But um, the more open and 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 uh, the more the better the communication that comes in advance, the better people can set up their lives. Because um, most people are operating in jobs outside of women's footy as well. So little things like that. Um, even like little things like contract negotiation, really open and honest um, feedback that is um, true and accurate and it doesn't beat around the bush and even just talking around like financials, like open and honest um, and then backing you in with things like um, equipment budgets and, and all that sort of stuff. What do you need? What, can, what, what else can we do for you? So, um, yeah, feeling valued as, as a staff member was the reason I left um, and had a year off and it's the reason I'll stay at Hawthorne next year and, and hopefully a few years to come. That's awesome. I'll just give a quick <laughs> background to, to me without hijacking your episode. Um, so yeah, I please. was approached by Adelaide Football Club in late 2020, actually in 2019. That um, didn't happen until 2020. And so it's really funny how it all kind of happened. I had previously worked with local football, club, football clubs here in Darwin and um, I've been lucky in that I've been able to do things without having to leave Darwin, although I'd happily leave Darwin. It's just that things have just sort of fallen into my lap. But yep. um, I was working with Dean Rioli, who's a former player at Essendon, and he was um, an assistant coach at one of the local football clubs. He then became a head coach. I went with him. We worked together for five years. He then started managing Danielle Ponta, who plays for Adelaide Crows. Danielle was looking at signing between Gold Coast and Adelaide. And I'm only saying what I can say publicly because I have interviewed Phil Harper, who is the <laughs> Adelaide Crows football operations manager, and he said this on the, on the podcast. Um, but um, so they were looking at, um, at recruiting it, and Adelaide said, if we let you stay in Darwin for half the week, would you sign with us? And she was like nearly like clambering over the desk, couldn't get the pen fast enough. Um, and like, so, but 
for someone to be able to, you know, live in another state from Monday to, to Wednesday or Monday to Thursday, depending, you know, and then go and play professional sport, that's very, very lucky. They obviously, like, rated it very highly, which they did, and that's why they did it. And so then Phil said to Dean, well, we need to get someone to look after her. Who can we do it? And Dean went, I know a guy straight away onto me. And um, Phil called and said, oh, thank you so much for doing this. And I was like, are you kidding me? What do you mean? Thank <laughs> me so much. Like, thank you. And then he said, how yeah. much do you want to be paid? And I, I remember saying, no, 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 it's okay. I've got a full-time job. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. It's all good. And he just laughed and said, no, nah, mate, we're going to pay you. So nice. hearing your story um, with Hawthorne, it just sounds so similar. And um, yeah. anyway, so then, yeah, so it was through that um, start of 2021 season. Uh, then, so they lost the grand final that year. Um, I hope I'm not mixing my years up, but it was the year they lost the grand final to Brisbane in Adelaide. And then they had the two seasons in one in one year. And so then they won the, the next year, which was awesome. And when they beat Melbourne and Adelaide and then um, didn't make it this year. So, but in that middle season of those three that I've been involved with them, Jasmine Hewitt came on board. Um, so she was redrafted. And uh, so I was able to be able to work with them in Darwin and implement all that program so hearing what you're saying about Hawthorne it was very similar like even being on the other side of the country I completely felt like I was in the loop and it was always like you're part of the team you're part of the team you're part of the team and I just sort of felt like some outsider as a contractor coming in and just you know providing better help but they went out of their way for even some small little guy like me to be feeling part of it and so then when they had their they made some money out of winning the premiership and they decided to put that back into the girls. And they did that by giving them a, a pre-season camp, which was in Darwin, which I got to be a part of. And when you really experience it inside like that, it's crazy, like just the culture. It's the, the saying is family first. And so family comes before anything and everything. Um, and it's all about making you the best person that you can be. And oh, by the way, that should make you be able to play a little bit of footy on the side. Um, because if you're yeah. happy in your life, then you'll play your best footy. And so it's all about this holistic approach. And so I'm really keen to hear about your experiences with Hawthorne um, because it does sound very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we've had a few similar stories um, where there are girls that, were drafted and it was a new club. So the, the lead up would have just been chaotic and manic, especially once they brought the season forward um, three or four months or whatever it was. So um, for instance, like they, they brought down um, like Janet Baird. Um, and I think like just listening to the process of them, you know, helping her out, find accommodation, um, you know, support around uh, like lifestyle work, all that side of things, um, and then even even supporting girls uh, who had you know, other things going on. You know, there was exactly the same sort of mantra, like family first. Like if you, you know, if you're if you have a family member that's that's sick, fine, miss miss training tonight. You know, family comes first. Um, be with them. Let us know what you need. Um, footy's always going to be here. Um, we're here to support. Um, and I think. I think athletes are smart enough to know when people are just saying that and when people actually mean it. Um, and I, I feel like 
I feel like the girls felt like it, it, it was meant, it, it was genuine. So little things like that. Um, and then like, I think just from an approach point of view, um, like considerations around not just performance, but just like the athletes as people, I think um, Beck Goddard and, and Liv do a fantastic job um, getting to know the girls as people and, and support them support them in, in all facets of life, not just from, from a footy standpoint. Um, and that can be something as simple as making sure that they're having, you know, conversations with them, you know, week to week, day to day around what's going on in, in the background. And, and then also like uh, really minute things that might not seem like much, but um, being really sensitive with things like, uh, um, like weighing girls, like, is that, is that something that we just do for everyone? That's just a slapstick approach or, are we actually considering who that might impact negatively and who it might impact positively and who it doesn't really matter for? Um, so yeah, there's, there's probably a, a lot of, um, I suppose examples I could pull out, but that, that's just a couple that come to mind. Um, and then just the setup from, um, like a, a staffing point of view as well. Like I think they've recognized that if you look after staff, well, the athletes are going to be looked after well. So, um, you know, not just setting up meetings with, with players ongoing, but also setting up meetings with staff along the way as well and making sure that, that everything's humming along quite nicely from that point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah. What um, differences have you noticed between training and coaching men versus women? Anything much? Uh, oh, heaps. <laughs> heaps. Um, he- heaps and not much at the same time, you know? you you know um there's so many things like i think girls girls just bring just a different energy and a a different vibe um to training and again at some some positive some some negative um i think uh i think in terms of like i was talking about this with the sport coach the other day and um for better or for worse, girls are very, um, you tell me what, you kind of tell me what I need to do and, and I'll do that. But then they, they won't necessarily drive what they're doing outside of that them, themselves too much. Or I haven't seen it as, as much, um, with the girls, particularly, particularly from like a, a skill development point of view. Um, but again, that might just be a, a bit of a transition from non-professional to professional. And, and that might come the more the girls are involved in, elite pathways through through junior and youth youth ages um i mean like there's there's probably a a little bit less a little bit less confrontation um with with women versus men um yeah they they respond to they respond to i suppose the the more positive vibes and and banter um really well um but also can tolerate you being firm quite well as well um yeah uh, yeah there's there's so many so many things i think also like i think they're the outside what's happening outside or externally affects them quite more like quite a lot more at training or or even on game day i think um, I think men 
unfortunately are better at bottling things up and using training or, or game day as an escape. Um, whereas maybe, maybe the female athletes at the moment can't separate that as much and it affects them more. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you, what do you think? Have you noticed that? Is that just something that, that I'm pulling from thin air? I think it's a lot more. I think you have to be possibly more careful with your communication. I actually, if I had to choose, I would prefer to work with female athletes over male. I just, um, particularly at a sub-elite level, I've found that female athletes, and not to turn every male listener off me, but um, female athletes generally see the fitness guy, you know, someone coming in from strength and conditioning, like athletic performance type stuff, as um, an opportunity, whereas I think, typically men see it more as a hindrance like oh this is just something we've got to do because it goes back to like the 70s and 80s of like all right we've got to flog ourselves running 400s you know or get in the gym and like they see i think blokes probably don't mind the gym too much but all the running stuff they're kind of i think in my experience anyway certainly at sub elite is that it's something that they they just have to do and they don't want to do Mm. it whereas you, you come into a sub elite female football club and it's sort of like oh man, like the fitness guys here, the strength and conditioning coach, the athletic performance coach, you know, they're here to like to do, to do this and we get to do this with them. That's the first thing that I, I noticed. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't then, lose that, hey. No, I, like, I, I agree, It might yeah. just be that it's, you know, we're just stoked to be resourced at the moment and it might end up where, where the men's competition is eventually once they're just used to it. But I, I hope it doesn't lose that. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I agree. Um, hmm. and I, I think also more so at the elite level, um, or, or sorry, no, not more so at the elite level, but it's definitely noticeable at the elite level is just the positivity. You mentioned it before. You said posi- um, about positivity. And definitely I think there's a lot more. There was a, a famous sort of like period in AFL where Richmond were laughing at like, the start of the third quarter you know and they were like televising i know this clearly because i'm a richmond supporter in the men's and um i the commentators were talking a lot about how they were cracking jokes and um i can't remember who's the guy the the small guy that went to st kilda um that was talking about kicking Uh, snags (laughs) he was the one that was like seemed to be driving it yeah jack higgins and so i think that happens a lot more naturally in women's and sort of and i don't know if that is a female thing or it's just because they're still in this like um, infancy period with the competition with the AFLW where they're like, this is so awesome. We get to do this. Like, you know, this is crazy yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the men have almost, they're coming around to that idea more now, aren't they? It's almost yeah. like they need permission to do that because it's been so army drill sergeant focused, you know, if you're laughing, your head's not in the game type thing, whereas now they're actually coming around to the, the benefits psychologically of of that environment and creating that environment, which is so awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so maybe women um, coming into the AFLW has helped to sort of trailblaze that for men, that more positivity. I think the other area that um, women are trailblazing the competition is in the pride area. And so, um, you know, because it's a lot more open to have uh, sexually diverse, I don't know what the right word is, I hope I'm not mumbling this and stuffing it up, but 
you know, like um, athletes, whereas it's not common. I don't even think there is um, any publicly, um, and I'm going to stuff this up, LGBTQI plus athlete in the men's AFL entire um, of about 800 players system. Yeah. So um, I think that's something that I think women can also trailblaze and drive for the men as well. So, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of people see the women's as sort of coming in at the back kind of thing, coming in behind and, you know, just this little thing. But I think in actual fact, they're trailblazing for the entire competition. For um, sure. In many ways. And there's been so many clubs that have openly admitted that getting a women's program has been one of the best things they could do for them as a club. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the more that um, these teams, men's and women's, uh, are sharing facilities, the more that those positive influences will will rub off from from a culture and an awareness standpoint on on the whole club. But let yeah, not just the male players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yes. So, where do you see the competition heading over the next few years with the women's comp? Yeah, um, I mean, they've made some bold statements. Uh, 2026 full-time, I think they want. Uh, 2030, they want to be the highest paid uh, female sport in Australia, I think they said. So, yeah, I mean, it it looks like it's headed for a a progressively bigger competition, as in now that they've got all the teams in the comp start to add more games, which means bigger pre-seasons and that side of things um, over the next four to, four to 15 years. Um, what that looks like from a, a player contract standpoint and a, and a staffing perspective, we'll see. But um, I, I'm starting to see or we're starting to see um, there being a, a big bridge between the AFLW and the AFL men's programs um, versus I think previously it was very much a VFL men's and AFL men's bridge. Um, from a staffing standpoint. Um, so we're starting to see like a lot more staff involved in both programs. So my, my big hope is that they continue to treat the women's programs as their own separate entity and, and they don't just funnel, uh, I suppose, staff members that they want in the AFL men's programs into the AFL women's programs. Um, so, but I mean, from a, from a competition standpoint, it's, it's only going to continue to grow and you can see it, um, pushing other sports further ahead as well. So like what Cricket Cricket Australia has done for their women. Um, now we're looking at the Matildas and, and the and the A-League and what soccer, what's happening in soccer. You know, all the other sports are trying to play catch-up now, particularly netball. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it, rising, what is it? A rising tide lifts all ships. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it gets to. I absolutely love that saying too, by the way. Um, I want to ask you about Dominic Carbone and Eliza Shannon. So they are both from Darwin and they approached me um, before they were drafted. They were then drafted to Hawthorne in the AFLW. Um, So they come and said, individually, I want to get drafted. What do I need to do? And so I started training them only for a very, very short period of time. Um, But it was just before they got drafted. One of my one of my questions is, tell me about them um, in what you can say, because they are both cracking people to train. I absolutely love training both of them. Um, and then my second question is, what would you like to see as someone who is sitting in a club like Hawthorne to a strength and conditioning coach who has a, 
an athlete approach them and say, hey, I want to get drafted. Can you help me? And also to the athlete like Dom or Eliza who's sitting there going, I want to get drafted next year. I've got a girl, for example, that I've been training, um, Kiralee Parnell, who's now with Sandringham Dragons. Uh, and so she's straight out of high school and we did some stuff for the last three months um, to set her up for a preseason down there. Like what, what, would, that, what do, would you like to see them do or be able to do? when they come to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Dom and Liza are awesome. Um, yeah, really, really, really good girl. Very, very different um, in, in a good way. Um, Dom, just a social butterfly and just a, a ball of energy and, and happiness. Um, it's just a great vibe to have in the gym. And we're lucky enough um, that it, it feels like they recruited on personality as much as they did talent at Hawks. So it's a, it's a really good mix of different characters which you need um and then lies is kind of you know quiet bit smirky bit of banter um but just you know head down head down ass up in terms of getting her stuff done and um is is starting to learn um how to ask more questions and and get more involved in the process rather than just thinking she has to do everything by herself and I think I feel like a lot of the girls coming in, um, and particularly with AFLW, they they don't want to. It's funny they almost don't. They want to. They don't want to feel like they're annoying you. It's like, girls, I'm I'm here. I'm here. This is my job. Like I'm, I'm here to I'm here to coach. Ask me questions. You know, as many as you can. Um, let's make the most of this. So um, yeah, both both cracking girls. Um, in terms of uh, I suppose girls looking to get drafted. Um, and, and training training for that I, I think first of all it's it's about doing doing your research in terms of um who you want to to guide you along in in that process so um rather than just um going straight to social media and, and looking up you know fitness coach strength conditioning coach performance whatever it might be um do that have a bit of a look but then you know ask um, trusted contacts within your footballing circles um, and even outside of that, you know, if they know anyone, um, do your due diligence in terms of having conversations with those people um, and, and then choose one that, that you don't think is just going to be um, a good fit in terms of knowing their stuff, but also a good fit for you personally as well because um, I'm a big believer in, in energy and um, energy and vibes in training um, are, are really conducive to creating a, a really good performance training environment. Um, so uh, that would be my first port of call. Um, and then sit down with, you would have already sat down with who you, who you selected and then whoever you selected, then you're going to put together a, a plan. Um, and I'm also a big believer in looking at strengths rather than just weaknesses. So there's going to be a minimum standard and that minimum standard is going to increase pretty quickly over the next five to 10 years in terms of what you need to be able to do to play at this level. Um, and I think the things that are starting to creep up is, is one skill level. Um, there's, there's that minimum standard of skill level is going to ramp up very quickly with the, the new wave of young girls coming through. So you have to make sure that, um, you know, you can kick left and right, handball really well um, and, and do all those things under pressure. Um, and then the other thing I think is, uh, pace. So, so speed, um, the game's getting quicker and quicker, especially being a shorter version of the game. So 
you got to make sure that um, you're working on that, not just the top speed, but also your ability to be really quick over five to 10 meters. Um, so like those would be two that I think that most girls either listening or, or they've been sent this, this podcast probably might not think about most, most people think I need to be fit enough um, and I need to be strong enough through my core, through my hips. Um, those are two, two very typical things that the footballers think about. Um, so yeah, start to think about the bigger picture, um, and then yeah, work with whoever you, whoever you choose um, really closely to to put a good plan in place um, to hopefully yeah not just set a really good minimum standard um, but also whatever makes you great. Keep working on that and and make it so that it separates you from the rest of the pack. So to clarify and to summarize, the two main things are skill and speed. Is that correct, or have I mucked that up? Uh, I would say they're the two main things that people don't think about enough. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, cool. Um, and so also it sounds like you're kind of suggesting maybe to even almost interview your prospective coach, um, athletic performance coach. It, do you suggest going in with that mentality like they almost like a bit more, not arrogant, but a bit more of an arrogance or a bit more ego around, hey, I'm going to be playing AFLW one day. This person is should want me. Um, and so rather than just sort of go in hoping and pleading for them to, to coach you, to go in more like I'm going to do an interview with this person and see if they're right for me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if, if your aspiration is to make it to the AFLW level and, and it is a realistic aspiration, yeah, I mean, treat yourself and your body as um as as a as a commodity as um as your insurance um so we've we've had a couple of athletes that have interviewed you know myself or different coaches here um and have interviewed multiple and been really clear about that as well which i like um that they are talking to whoever to make the right fit i i, I don't see how you can be offended by that as a coach um, unless your ego is just doesn't let you fit through doors. Um, like what, why, what, you know, why would you not want, um, to, I think that that shows a real sign of professionalism and, and makes me want to work with that athlete probably more because I know they're going to take it really, really seriously. And they're looking at it as an investment. Um, cause that's the other thing. It, it is an investment and, and you most likely will, will have to spend money on this. So you want to make sure that that money is spent wisely. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and to me, I think uh, um, if a coach was to get offended, it almost demonstrates a bit of lack, um, like a concern. And I think if a coach is really confident in themselves, and I've interviewed some cracking, amazing coaches on this podcast who say similar things, you know, like they're like, I'll give away everything because I know that people want to work with me. Um, and, you know, if you, you know, if you ask me a question, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, the longest answer in the world because I know it's going to take you time. Someone gave me that step up and it's going to take you time to, to get to the same level. So I think if you've got that confidence about yourself as a coach, again, like you said, it really demonstrates that you're not coming from a place of lack, that you are coming from a place of confidence. And it is a great thing if the athlete, I like your point there, it demonstrates that the athlete is going to be committed. And so it's a good sign to see from a coach's point of view. For sure, and it, and it's, it might not be that you weren't the right um, 
uh, you weren't the right fit from a, a coaching standard or level point of view. It might be that um, the other person was a 10-minute drive versus you were a 40-minute drive and that's, you know, an hour and a half that they could be spending doing something else or even price point, you know, budgets exist, financial limitations exist. Um, it might be energy vibe. You might just not have vibe with that person and you can't see yourself working with that person, you know, three to four days a week. That's that's fine as well. I, I'd much rather, yeah, um, someone yeah, do their due diligence and, and make sure that we, we were the right fit to work together um, because, yeah, it, it just sets you up for a much better a much better relationship and, and process moving forward, I think. Yeah, I want to touch on that word vibe because I actually had that written down as one of the things I wanted to come back to. You said it earlier, positive, uh, positivity and vibes and stuff. So last yeah. night we were at training at the track and I have like, um, so we had some sprinters and long-distance runners and we were talking in the car park afterwards about the feeling in the group. And so if you're not training that day for, for whatever reason, that you still want to come down, like you come down just because you want to be a part of it. And so how, how big is vibes in a group? in all of this decision yeah massive absolutely massive um yeah i i i pride myself on on bringing energy and vibe and that's different in different contexts with different people but i think it's a a really important part of of being a coach and and that's not necessarily like changing who you are for different people or different groups it's it's more just in my mind like amplifying or turning down um you know different aspects of your of your personality of your energy um to kind of suit what that session is going to be or or who that athlete is um you know the vibe my vibe coaching someone one-on-one versus coaching in a group environment is is a very different beast um because it has to be um and yeah, I think it's a, a huge part, not just from a coach-athlete relationship, but also athletes working together. Um, I have uh, deliberately not said no to people coming to train with me or train at our facility, but I have del- deliberately not followed up in certain circumstances because of of what I've heard about their energy and, and vibe or um, just the way the conversation leading up to that decision had gone because I treasure it. I, th- I think it's... Um, a really a really important aspect of, of what we do here at MFP and something we can control um, to a certain extent. Um, and I think that's what makes uh, our, our place and, and, our, and our sessions so, so special um, and, and why we get good results. You know, our training methods and stuff I think are awesome, but they might, they might not necessarily be the difference between us and, and another facility or other coaches, but our energy and our vibe, um, which comes back to not just, um, you know, you as a coach, but it's also the music that you're playing. It's, it's the lighting of the facility. It's, it's so many different things, um, that, that all, that all wrap up into that. But yeah, I, I think that sets us apart personally. Um, whereas in club land, I don't think it's necessarily something that you have as much control over. You have control over it during your portion of the training session mm-hmm. But the group and the playing group um, and then the coaching staff above that uh, dictate what that, that vibe is so much more at that level. So um, that's that's a different beast altogether. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think if you are looking at going and hiring like an athletic performance coach and going to Melbourne Fit Performance, for example, 
that it is worthwhile not just speaking to the coach but just observing the athletes to get a sense of that vibe yeah for sure absolutely yeah yeah talk to and athletes that, that train here or talk to athletes at the facility that you think you're about going to they'll they'll tell you everything that you need to know about yeah. it and, and so talking about asking questions so um you mentioned questions earlier and you just brought it up again now so how important do you think questions are because i think they're super important and i always say to athletes ask me as many questions as you can like there's you can't ask enough questions and what you said when the girls come into an AFLW program for example and they don't want to be annoying or a hindrance or whatever so they don't ask questions i i actually really like it how important hmm. are questions oh critical critical yeah and i i do think i should have said before the, the other aspect of that is probably often times i don't want to look silly if if other athletes or players look like that they're just going about their business and know exactly what they're doing, they probably don't want to be the one to continually ask about stuff that, that they don't know. So it's probably, it's probably both. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I hope that I am creating an environment there where girls feel comfortable to continually ask questions about stuff they don't know. Even if it's a question I've already like answered. You know, like I'd, I'd much rather you ask me how you want something executed, what weight you should use, how you should set it up, than, you know, God forbid you set it up wrong and you drop a dumbbell on your toe or you choose a weight that's too light or too heavy or, you know, I, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer the question every, every day of the week, every day of the week. Yeah, and I think you can foster that as a coach by asking questions yourself. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I know I certainly ask lots of questions and I also try to answer questions which I know are common um, Yeah. and I've heard in the past. So, for example, we might be doing drills and I might just say, um, this is why we're doing it. And I, then I say, you should be asking like your coach why you're doing that drill, like why this drill, why that drill, why the, you should be saying the word why so much that they, they are getting annoyed. And um, yeah. I sort of make it a challenge, like try and annoy me, like ask me questions because otherwise – if you're not, and you're just doing some drill for the sake of doing a drill, that coach might have just got it off YouTube and gone, that looks like a good drill. Or I saw Mitch Graves doing that so I'm on Instagram, yeah. so I'm going to do that. That's yeah. the worst. You, I always say you best be getting yourself a new coach if they can't answer why you're doing something. So Absolutely. ask questions. Yeah. And, and you actually bring up a, a phenomenal point there about um, you as the coach asking questions as a coaching strategy. Um, I think it's one of the best ways to foster or, or drive intent in a session, um, asking your athletes, you know, how they're feeling, what are they doing? And it's also a great way to get around them feeling like you're, you're telling, just telling them what to do. So um, one, of the, one of the most classic ones, I think, is, is reframing. Um, so rather than um, oh, you, you, you should probably go a bit heavier on that, that set, that next set you can ask a question and say, Hey, what are you thinking for the next set? Um, you know, Oh, I was thinking this, this, this. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I agree. That, that was looking pre like pretty easy. Let's go up. Let's go up away. I like that decision. You're reframing it so that they're driving that decision-making process and they're making the decision and then they feel like they've made the correct decision, positive reinforcement. Away we go. They're feeling more confident in the gym. Uh, yeah. You bring up a, a great point there. Uh, I think that's a, a, a great coaching strategy. 
And that kind of loops back to the very start where you said at Melbourne Fit Performance that you have the athletes even doing some of this themselves, like writing their own programs and having input. And so it's all into loops. I kind of feel like it's kind of this conversation has now done a bit of a, a full circle. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, like uh, Tay is a classic example. Like she'll always send me stuff. Um, that she's seen like some other boxers doing and, and some cool stuff and they're like, oh, that looks awesome. Like where do you think that would fit or what do you think that's doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas you, yeah, then you get some athletes on the other end of the spectrum that are just like, yeah, I'll just do whatever you tell me to. They're just happy not to be having to write their own program. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You actually – I was going to wrap it up, but you actually um, remind me of so – so Jess – uh, who I mentioned earlier with her always sent, she always sending me this boxing stuff at the moment, like this drill, yeah. that drill, like, and, and it's cool. Like, I love it. Um, and it then reminds me of something that happened on Saturday. So we had um, four 350 meter hills. And on the third one, she was like, I'm done. That's it. And I was walking back down the hill. I was joining in with them and I was walking back down the hill with a 400 meter runner. And I said, watch this. She'll run the last one. And, uh, we got down to the bottom and I think I said something to, recently she's been sending me these motivational quotes and videos and stuff on Instagram. And I said, yeah. um, what was that motivational video that you sent me the other day? That one about what, the line or whatever. And she goes, Oh, straight away her head switch is like, <laughs> I don't want to swear on this, but she's like, F you Jacob. She's like, yeah, I know what you're doing. And I said, those quotes you sent me are awesome. So yeah, like that little fun stuff that you can have with athletes. I love it. And yeah. you can, and in the end, she ended up running that last four, um, 350 yeah. and the fourth 350 and, uh, and did it very, very well, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, a little bit of the counseling. Man, that, that is the, that is the nuance. That is the psychology of coaching. That is, yeah, that's, that's the fun stuff. That's the, that's where you're getting that 1% that, you know, that other coaches might not be getting or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I love that story. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mitch, um, we're not going to end it just yet because we've got a 10 quick question, 10 quick fire questions coming up. But um, before we do, I just want to thank you for being on the Mind Your Body Show, acknowledge you for all the work you do in the athletic performance space um, from rehab through to strength and conditioning and everything else. Um, how can people find you online? Um, Instagram is probably the best place to see me or, or my content and some of my athletes training. Um, so that's, Mitch Greaves, uh, M-I-T-C-H-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Um, and then I reshare a lot of my influences and stuff I'm reading or looking at on Twitter. Um, and that's exactly the same handle on Twitter. So those are probably the two best places to find me. Um, if you do really want to ask a question or something, just hit me up on, on Instagram and I'll probably shoot you my email. And if you're in Melbourne, definitely go and check out Melbourne Fit Performance. Uh, what's up, baby? Yeah, for sure. West Footscray. West Footscray, yep, yep. So just about 10, 15 minutes um, west side of the of the CBD. Awesome. Okay, so while you've been talking, I've been taking some notes on this notepad here. Um, I haven't worded you up on this, so I'm sorry, but um, this is a little I thing. I prefer it that way. <laughs> 10 in 10. It initially started off as 10 quick questions in 10 seconds, so the whole thing was supposed to be done in 10 seconds. But what I found was sometimes people like to go off, in it, including me, on a little tangent, yeah. and that's absolutely normal. So sometimes this can take 10 minutes. So first oh, thing that God, comes my to My brain mind, doesn't work that quickly. 
first thing that comes to mind, the first word, sentence, whatever it is. So number one, Melbourne Fit Performance. Home of athletic performance. Number two, fitting your work or your mission or your passion into your lifestyle. Set your ideal lifestyle or schedule up first, then build work into it, not the other way around. I like that. That's awesome. And And I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I like that. And so would you also incorporate, like, does that include putting holidays in? Do you put holidays in at the start of the year type thing? Uh, I, I want to start doing that and I have done that this year. Yep. Yeah, it would be hard. Yeah. With, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll look forward at the end of the year seeing the Instagram stories of you in Hawaii or something. Yeah, Mitch Greaves, jobless. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, sports psychology. Coaching. Number four, going into business. Brave, rewarding, and exciting. I just realized that I've got number five twice here for another one that I've already said, so I'm going to make something else up. And off the top of my head, I'm going to say your greatest passion outside of work. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, my my family, including my girlfriend and, and my cat and my life at home. I love That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Number six, athletic performance coaching. A much better term for what we do as coaches and uh, doesn't just reflect the physical side of what we do. I like it. I like it. Uh, number seven, Hawthorne. Uh, an exciting project um, that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what we can achieve in the next two to five years. Well, that lends it into number eight, which is the future of the AFLW. Uh, massive potential. Um, if if clubs can match the AFL's ambition of, of investment and um, and passion in, in terms of the women's game, I, I think it could be something that is, yeah, is a really, really big, big thing for, for women in sport. Number Even nine, bigger than it has pers- been already, sorry. Yeah. Uh, number nine, yeah. personality versus talent. Oof, personality versus talent. Yeah. Um, so dependent on the individual and, and where they sit on those two spectrums. Um, yeah, personality is, is massive. Um, people want to work with who they want to work with and they'll only tolerate you if you've got a shit personality if you are a phenomenal talent. So, yeah, choose, choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And number 10 is a generic question which I ask everybody because I'm really interested in this. So if you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go to at what point in time and why? remembering it's time travel i would love to be able to time travel so you can come <laughs> back to now sometimes people go oh well i don't want to get stuck in the future and not be able to come back so you can time travel you can go any you can only go to one forward or back you can only go to one point in time but you can always come back to now and live your life from now 
Uh, I'd go. I'd go future for sure. Future for sure. Uh, I'd love to see where we are in thirty to forty years. Thirty to forty years, but in my current body, that that would be cool. Yeah, oh, that I mean, would be, yeah. they have to have they have to have invented a hoverboard by that stage. Surely, <laughs> they've been promising that for years. That'd be yeah. a lot of fun, I think. I've actually never had that. Someone say I have to be in my body. I don't know if people think they're gonna in thirty years are gonna be in an older body, or if they're going back, if they're going forward in their current body. But yeah. I've never had someone actually say it. Well, I just watched a fake trailer for Back to the Future Four. Have you seen that humming around? Is it is that coming? Is it what? Is that <laughs> it's, actually... it's not happening. But oh. Twitter's been doing its Twitter thing and, and uh, produced probably AI has produced a fake trailer for Back to the Future Four. So. I saw Marty in his current body in, in the future, so I thought that that's probably how it would happen. I'm going to choose that way. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, my uh, one of my sons just got a hoverboard on wheels for Christmas. It's like a Segway, but without the stick in the handle part. Oh, so incredible. maybe go and get one of them. It is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look into it. <laughs> Mitch, thank you for your time, and thank you for being a guest on the Mind Your Body Show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on the Mind Your Body Show. If you would like to connect, please head on over to Instagram and follow us at Jacob underscore Andre. And you can get all of our show notes as well as all of our other episodes from the Mind Your Body Show over on my website at jacobandre.com as well as the blog articles, which I write on a regular basis and a whole bunch of other really cool tips, tricks and actionable strategies to help you maximize your performance so you can succeed at the top level. Thank you again. And I'll see you soon.